Welcome back to the Evidence-Based Rheumatology Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Putman, and today is episode 19, The Clinical Utility of a Positive Antinuclear Antibody Test Result. This paper was by Abels et al., published in the American Journal of Medicine in 2013. Now, I wanted to talk about this paper because I'm trying to do a couple of studies that I think are useful for fellows who are starting fellowship, since that's just around the corner. This one is short and sweet and covers a broadly applicable topic, so I think it may be helpful for people. For a brief background, the ANA was discovered in 1957 and is reliably elevated in the serum of patients with lupus. Consequently, the ANA and lupus have come to be somewhat synonymous in many people's minds, but unfortunately that's just not the case. The ANA actually measures a number of different antibodies, among those the Smith, the SSA, and the double-strand DNA. And unfortunately, somewhere between 5-20% to of normal healthy controls will also have a positive ANA. So with that in mind, these authors set out to do a retrospective review of all consultations that presented to their rheumatology clinic at the University of Connecticut Health Center from July of 2007 to July of 2009. Inclusion criteria were really anyone who was referred to the subspecialty clinic. Exclusion criteria were people who had previously been diagnosed with a rheumatologic condition or had previously been referred for the same thing. Patients were defined as having an anti-nuclear antibody-associated rheumatic disease if they had lupus, Sjogren's disease, scleroderma, mixed connective tissue disease, dermatomyositis, polymyositis, or undifferentiated connective tissue disease. Patients with rheumatoid arthritis were not technically included, even though a lot of them will have a positive ANA as well. Charts were reviewed, data was abstracted, and then presented here for all of us to see. So over the two-year span of the study, they saw 1,306 visits. 17.4% of the consultations they saw in the rheumatology clinic, or 227 patients, were referred for a positive ANA. This they defined as greater than a titer of 1 to 40, which is one caveat because we already consider 1 to 40 to be normal in my clinic. I also think that number is relatively interesting. It's a pretty common reason for consultation. They gave some stats on who was sending this, but the vast majority, something like 85%, were primary care providers. For new fellows who will be listening to this podcast, a lot of our ANA referrals are in the hospital. Remember, it's a little bit different of a cohort. These are healthy outpatients who had an ANA and were referred as an outpatient. So just be a little careful applying this data. So among the 232 patients who came in with a positive ANA test result, how many of them ultimately had an antibody-associated rheumatic disease? 21. That is a very small number. So out of 232, only 21 patients actually had a rheumatologic disease. You can calculate a positive predictive value for that. So the positive predictive value for an ANA was 8.8%. That is pretty shocking. Now, if you change the titer, things got a little bit better. A positive predictive value of a test of 1 to 640, for instance, was 26.9%. That's certainly better than 8.8%, but even at a titer of greater than 1 to 1280, which is the max that our lab measures, less than half of patients ultimately had an antibody-associated rheumatic disease, or 38.9%. It's pretty surprising to me. Those patients that I see that have greater than 1 to 1280, I tend to think have something going on, but in this study, less than half were ultimately diagnosed. As far as lupus is concerned, which is the main reason these patients were being sent for referral, the vast majority didn't have lupus. Even at a titer of 1 to 1280, only 5.6% of patients were diagnosed with lupus eventually. 
So what were they diagnosed with? It's kind of a mixed bag. Some lupus, some Sjogren's syndrome, some scleroderma, some undifferentiated connective tissue disease, and some mixed connective tissue disease. Helpfully, they did look to see if the ANA was more predictive at a younger age, since we tend to think that people accumulate these antibodies over a lifetime and that they're less helpful as you're older, but they didn't see that. Under 65 or over 65, it didn't really matter. And finally, they looked at the reason for the ANA referral and broke that down by the ultimate diagnosis. Patients who had referred for widespread pain and a positive ANA, 0% of them ultimately had lupus. Out of the cohort, there were 54 patients who met that description. 46 of them were ultimately diagnosed with our good old friend fibromyalgia. So what can we take home from this? I think Gaiva's conclusion is that a positive ANA is not a medical condition. It can certainly be helpful in diagnosing lupus. It's more helpful in ruling it out. But the majority of patients who had a positive ANA, even those who had a high titer greater than 1 to 1280 and had widespread pain, ultimately did not have any rheumatologic condition. I think that's an important thing to keep in the back of your mind when you see these numbers, and it's important context for us as rheumatologists. There are a couple caveats to this study. Now, these were only the patients who were ultimately referred. You'd imagine there were a lot of patients who had an ANA tested, and the PCP said, I don't really think this is lupus, and decided not to refer them. So these numbers are probably even worse than this study shows. There was likely some selection bias based on the center. We don't actually know the practices at this medical center. Perhaps they're more liberal in their referrals. Perhaps they're more liberal in testing ANAs than your center. So in your practice, maybe the ANA is a little bit better or a little bit worse. It's hard to say because this was a single center study. Another problem is just the time course. This was conducted for only two years. And perhaps if we had followed these patients over 10 years, we would have seen more clinical phenotypes arise. There's actually a great paper in the New England Journal in 2003 where they looked at the sera of military recruits over many years, and they saw that patients who were ultimately diagnosed with lupus often had antibodies five to eight years beforehand. Things like the ANA, the RNP, the Smith frequently would become positive long before clinical diagnosis was made. So maybe these are people that are preclinical. That being said, it would have to be a lot of preclinical lupus for this not to have some impact on my practice. When I get an ANA referral, I'm always very thorough. I ask the patient a good lupus review of systems, and if there's anything of note, I follow it up. I do try to find things that you can anchor on, things like active synovitis or perhaps some evidence of pleuropericarditis, something that would push us towards this being anything other than a spurious lab finding. If there's no evidence of lupus, I like to talk about this paper. I think it's very reassuring for patients to know that the majority of patients who have an ANA and are referred to our clinics don't have anything wrong with them at all. That's it for this week. Thanks again for tuning in. Be sure to come back next week when we talk about an old trial in vasculitis, the RAVE study. Thanks again, and have a great week.